Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast. I'm your host today, Stephen Railston, and I'm joined by Samuel Luckhurst and Rich. Samuel, I'll start with you. How are you? Did you enjoy your time away? I did. I did, thank you. Uh, I was keeping an eye on, on your team as well and uh, <laughs> the celebrations going up in, in the northeast. So it will be it'll be interesting on Boxing Day when United play there. The listeners won't be able to see me smug face as you said that, but it, um, believe me, I did have a little smile. Um, Rich, how's yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, I think the listeners could probably hear the, uh, the jovial <laughs> nature of your voice. I mean, yeah, it's it's maybe exciting for the Premier League. I know different fans have a different opinion on it, but yeah, it's been a it's been a bit of a drag the international break, particularly because United, of course, drew that that last game before it. So looking for ideas and stuff's been a been a bit difficult, but we've been getting creative, shall we say, here at the at the MEN. So hopefully, we've been keeping those listening entertained at least for the last week. Nicely put as usual, Rich, and so I know you kind of touched upon it there. I don't want to go too much back to that disappointing draw against Everton, but I thought I'd give you both a chance to kind of see your conclusions from that game briefly. So, Sam, you were at the match, and what were your thoughts really from that game? And you've had a chance, obviously, to think about it now across the international break. I know. Um, the piece I did this afternoon has went through various sub-edits from myself, but I think the crux of it is is that they, they they have got the wrong manager in charge. I think the last year was the time to change manager because it was it was about two years in. Um Solskjaer's overseen good good work since then. He's he's overseen a modicum of progress. Uh they've attracted some brilliant players to the club. I, I thought it was interesting that it was probably not intended to be construed the way it was, but John Murta on the minute said about how the, 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 there's confidence at the club, they've got the squad and the talent within the squad to bring success. And I think most people would agree they, they have got a squad to win things. I just don't think they've got a manager to win things. And the Everton one was a weird one because the team, when you saw it, you thought, is, is this a League Cup tie or something? Like, how, how the hell is Marshall starting? And Dom, Dom messaged me after the game, said, you know, Marshall proved you and everyone wrong. Well, I, I, I'd say he didn't really. Even though he scored, it was deflected and it was still a keeping error. Um, I thought Pickford should have saved it, even even with the deflection. There's, there's still no way he should have started that game. And he didn't finish the game, predictably. You know, and then with the changes that were made, it just seemed incongruous. It was almost as if Solskjaer was flexing his muscles, saying, "Look at what we can do." When really the game was in the balance, Everton had had some encouraging moments in the first half, and it just seemed to up- upset the apple cart. Really, I mean, the, the way United played, certainly at the start, was probably their best start to a game all season, despite no Ronaldo and, and no Pogba. But there were just fundamental issues there that I don't see. Solskjaer being able to address or solve um, between now and the end of the season. United cannot control games in a constructive way. You look at City, and it seems daft to even make the comparison, but City in their last two games, they didn't win either game, but they had a measure of control there that was impressive for PSG away and Liverpool away. Uh, the, the Liverpool game was was a brilliant game to watch. They should have possibly beaten PSG, I'd say, never mind got a point from that game that they ended up losing. But you know that you're going to get that with Guardiola. With Solskjaer, it, it seems quite distant now, but he wanted to play 4-3-3 this season. They're not going to be able to do that. You've got conflicting takes on what to do with McTominay. Brian Robson came out this week or last week, I think it was, and said he, he, it doesn't suit him playing as a sitting midfielder. I'd probably agree overall, but what the hell else are you going to do there? Because you're not going to be playing Matic there every week and Matic might have been someone to bring in for that Everton game 
and he wasn't. And when you start Fred and McTominay, and I don't want to really dwell on those two too much because they get scapegoats enough. But if when you start with those two in three successive Premier League games and the only one you won was because Mark Noble lost his nerve with a late penalty kick, then you are lowering the standards. They, they should not be starting three successive Premier League games where you've won, lost and drawn. And, and I thought, in fairness to Fred, I thought he actually played quite well up until the... Um, the Damari Gray uh, instant where he had two opportunities to keep the ball off him or take the ball off him. And he failed with both of them. And from that, that point on, there was no coming back. So although there are issues with personnel, I think the personnel is, is pretty mild compared to, to the manager. And, you know, it, it doesn't take much for some fans to get on Solskjaer's back, like the screenshot of him smiling in the 94th or 95th minute. And you've got the scoreline saying United won, Everton won. But it's it's things like, from what I was told, Everton players, when they got back into the dressing room, they they were disappointed because they should have won that game. If, if Tom Davis just hit the ball towards the bottom left-hand corner, they, they might have won that game. And then it's it's three defeats in, in four at home for United. And and that that is sackable form, really. Uh, I think a lot of fans would probably argue the form is, is sackable form uh, alone, but I, I don't necessarily think this is the time to change manager. And it's certainly not going to happen either. And this current run coming up for United, uh, then they're not going to lose to Leicester, uh, Liverpool, uh, Tottenham and City. Uh, they've Leicester and Tottenham are not the intimidating teams they were two or three years ago. Solskjaer's had Guardiola's number a few times in the past. United have form for getting results when they are under the cosh. So I don't think this is a potentially decisive period for Solskjaer. If the form does fall off a cliff, um, I think a few people would be surprised by that. But at that point, then he's really going to be under immense pressure because they haven't started the season as well as they should have they've not started it as badly as some people have suggested either but I think that's the problem with United that when they do come under pressure they do manage to stave off the vultures and then all that happens is that they they go around in circles or I think these this spell coming up they're in danger of coming full circle and you probably just prolong the agony because for them this season, weirdly, for a team that haven't won anything in um, in over four years, and it's, it's going to be nearly five years come May because they're not going to have a, a February final in the League Cup. A successful season for them is winning the Premier League or, or the Champions League, which just sounds preposterous um, when you look at the competition. And in the Premier League at the moment, United are fourth. And I think that's that's about right. I mean, they're not far off uh, first points wise, but that's because it's still pretty early on. But they probably are the fourth best team out of those top four sides. And I, I'd say that's mainly down to the manager. As Samuel's touched upon, Rich, obviously the, the pressure is going to be building on Solskjaer now naturally. Would you agree with that sentiment? And probably United are fourth in the league among the rivals. And obviously for all the progress they've made, this season have kind of made some step backward steps. And so what have you thought of that? Yeah, I just feel like, you, like Samuel said, you know, United are just going around in circles, really. And Solskjaer, like we said, there's no immediate concern he's going to lose his job. And I think everyone is expecting United to probably have quite a good few results over the next month or so, because that's just what they do under Solskjaer. But that almost seems to be going around in circles and papering over the cracks, because they're just prolonging him as the manager, because there is always the hope that United might win something. And you know, you can always twist. The thing with Solskjaer is for every positive, there's a negative. So the fan base is easily split because they do do some things really well and they do do some things really badly. But maybe if we came full circle to the start of the podcast, you as a Newcastle fan, 
You'd want Pep in charge of your team. You'd want Jurgen Klopp in, front of your team, in charge of your team. You'd want Thomas Tuchel in charge of Newcastle. You probably wouldn't want Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to be taken over in the northeast. I don't think that would be the type of appointment that would fill you of confidence of your of your takeover. Uh, you know, everyone knows what you, to get from Solskjaer, and they know what you don't get from Solskjaer as well. As team selections are still baffling, and there's no excuse for them. As Samuel said, that Everton game, as soon as the lineup dropped, you just sense that's going to be that's going to be drop points and it was the same against Villa really they they weren't shock results if you watched the game if you watched even from you know the minute the team is chopped really you, you expected it to happen really and United have lost that fear factor they've completely they just look a bit of a muddy mess at the moment like you said it's one step forward two steps back and for every you know whenever it gets really good it's only just one result away from getting bad again and now that we're maybe on a low I wouldn't be surprised if United come out all guns blazing and get some good results and get the positivity back on board but it does just seem like they're going around in circles at the moment and like Samuel said it's not going to be an immediate managerial change but I do think that Solskjaer you know you can from my point of view and this is my point of view I'm not saying it's anything else but Solskjaer has been a successful manager and he's done exactly what United needed them to do. He's come in, stabilised the squad, restored belief in United, got everyone back and, you know, restored pride in the badge and those emphasis of what it means to be United, you know, United way, the United DNA. He's done that successfully. He's stabilised the team. He's brought world-class players in. But I do feel that they need something else to go to the next level and then fulfil the, the potential that they've got. And at the moment, it just seems like they're going around in circles and, you know, you can be gluttonous and say United needed a new defensive midfielder. If they had one of those, then then maybe they would be challenging for the title. But you can't keep throwing money at it. United have spent so much under Solskjaer and previous winners of the Premier League and even the Champions League. You look at Chelsea's team that won the Champions League last season. It wasn't perfect. There's still gaps in that team. One or two players that don't quite fit. You know, up front, they didn't really have a, an out-and-out striker. And then they bought Lukaku this summer. United not having a defensive midfielder can't be the only excuse for them not fulfilling their ambitions this season. There was a, a little bit of positivity there about Rich's message, um, Samuel. So if we move on from the Everton game and, and try to, for, to have a bit of positivity, I thought Sancho looked um, all right when he came on against Everton. And obviously he made two assists um, for England during the international break. Did you see that performance? And what have you made of his start, I guess? Obviously um, he returned late from his holiday, didn't mean he had to overcome an illness. Um, so what have you made of Sancho against Everton? In he was bright against Everton. I, I didn't get some saying that he was pretty good against Villarreal. I think if he was that good, he wouldn't have come off when he when he did. Um, and and Solskjaer's comments on the performance, which is bizarre on the Friday, I think he called him uh, electric and, and exceptional. Well, if he was, he he wouldn't have come off when when he did. He, he was. He, I thought the Everton cameo was probably the best it's been from him so far. Uh, he he just blemished it with that harmless shot when Ronaldo teed him up and he should have at least forced Pitford into a into a proper save there. But that was probably symptomatic of, of his form in that there's no there's no incision there at the moment. There was no clinical edge to that strike from him. With with the Andorra game, unsurprisingly, I, I did not watch I did not watch <laughs> from start to finish. I, I did watch the first half of it, but yeah, in, Andorra England in during an October international fortnight is not my idea of, of fun, surprisingly, but I'm sure it is to, to many others. Uh, and of course, he, he did get two assists, but fortunately, Solskjaer has addressed that issue already, how uh, some people use assists to suggest someone is doing really well or, or, or you know, this, this whole goal contributions nonsense now. Uh, yeah, I got 36 goal contributions last season. It's, it's just stats padding. I mean, that, that is the number I think Marcus Rashford got last season. And then he himself said he went into the Euros low on confidence and, and his form reflected that as well and suggested 
that he wasn't uh, quite right. Um, so you can always use stat to twist it. And, and and Sancho has already celebrated his two assists against Andorra when I think a better advisor would just tell him there's, there's no need to actually make, make reference to those assists. It's it's Andorra and your manager has just pretty much knocked down assists as well. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's what, what Solskjaer said on that in Burton is that if, if an assist deserves credit, then it, it gets it. And there have been, I'd say the majority of Pogba's this season have have, have merited that, his, his vision, uh, the forward passing, the, the precision with it. Um, they have, by and large, been quality. If, if you're just playing a side-footed pass and then a guy goes on a major run um, and, and scores a great goal, then you, you don't really deserve the credit. But players, and it's not just Rashford, it's not just Sancho, it's a lot of players, will cling on to those stats i remember mkhitaryan years ago his his camp were obsessing over this assists record that he was trying to get i think early in the 2017-18 season and then four or five months later he's he's sold by united to arsenal so it it just goes to show how i'd say how little a lot of managers do do think of um of those numbers unless there's genuine brilliance that um, that, that complements them. But with Sancho going into this Leicester game, I, I don't think there's any guarantee that he'll be starting that match. Solskjaer might look at his um, his international form, particularly if he starts against Hungary and, and he performs against Hungary and think, well, shall we strike while the iron is hot? But I think the expectation is probably that he, he won't start against Hungary because it was mainly England's second string who who played played in Andorra. Uh, so he might have to wait. I think it's it's a difficult period for him at the moment, particularly with Rashford coming back. And you'd expect a, you know, a rise from Rashford because he's had his shoulder addressed. Lingard, as I said earlier, somehow has not started a meaningful match this season, which is just bizarre. There's no issue between player and manager. The manager, unsurpri- unsurprisingly, um, given the way he's selected, teams this season just just hasn't started him in a league or a, or a European match and you've got Marshall as well who okay got a goal but I don't think anybody really sees him as as much of an irrelevance at United at the moment so there are, there's an awful lot of competition on that left-hand side so you would think maybe give Sancho a go on the right-hand side but Greenwood that, that whole nonsense is still going on as to why he's not playing for England or getting called up by England so you would probably presume that he would um, he would start at Leicester so it might be another bench role for Sancho. If we do presume Greenwood starts on the right Rich, um, Rashford's obviously coming back now from a shoulder operation and Martial started against Everton rather controversially, Pogba's played there, who would you have on that side um, going into that game? Yeah, so, like I said, it's a really interesting one because based on form, you could probably say that Sancho's fourth choice on the left, really, or you know, because you have got Pogba who plays far better there. You know, like Samuel said, Lingard definitely deserves to start there. He can't play in the Bruno Fernandes role, obviously, so that is the most logical choice for him. Marshall has at least scored on the left this season, so you know, you, if you're going to be a fair manager and he's he's done the opportunity, he's taken it. Okay, he might have not proven a Samuel wrong as Dom said, but uh, you know, he has got the goal to. to to, to go with it and Rashford you know he looked by all accounts good in this friendly win against uh, Blackburn last week and he scored twice in that so you know he'll be you'd expect him to be straight back into the sort of the first team fold as soon as he is back so I think that United have been crying out for you know someone who does that sort of direct running really and compliments what they have elsewhere in attack I think when he's up to speed I think Rashford should probably be the one starting um, and I think Pogba still can play this weekend I think it does depend really on on the centre back situation as well, and you know, do United keep it as it has been with that four two three one, or do they maybe switch it up and go for three at the back if they have to? If they've not got 
everyone available, then maybe Luke Shaw has to go to a centre-back role, which I know doesn't suit him that well, but then maybe Pogba goes central midfield. So the issue, again, does come down a bit to Pogba because you've got to get him playing well in the middle because I, he's a luxury on the left and I think you know he does play better football there and he has that attack and freedom that he relishes. But I don't think it's a luxury United can can sort of indulge too much this season because the other options in central midfield have been so unconvincing. So for me, I would start when he's fully fit, Rashford on the left, and then Sancho has to has to be told, right, we signed you as a right winger, you've got to start competing with Greenwood there as an alternative. You know, you've got one of them who's an inverted winger, one of them who likes to cut outside more. So I think Sancho just needs to take this confidence, become a right winger. Now, United have given him so much time now on the left this season. Again, the two assists against Andorra were from the left. You know, it's clear that maybe he does prefer that role and maybe it throws a question mark to how have United spent all this money on signing a new right winger and they've still not got one. You know, they've bought Palestri, Ahmad and Sancho, yet it's academy product Greenwood, who's supposedly a striker, who's the best right wing option. So they still look a bit unbalanced, but I think Rashford would make the most sense. And I think the fact that he can play all across the front line as well. You know, we saw in Project Restart, United's arguably maybe best football under Solskjaer, where we had Greenwood, Marshall and Rashford all as a front three who interchanged quite a bit and they really did cause defences issues. And I think Rashford, Greenwood, Ronaldo on paper to me certainly sounds like another strike force that has that mobility, it has players who can fill in in, in any role required. So that's what I'd like to see. But of course, it does rely on Rashford hitting the ground running. And, you know, I think he needs to be eased back because although he's had that that friendly performance. So often we've seen Solskjaer rush players back when they've not quite been fully fit and then it's been detrimental to their form. So I think this weekend, Rashford off the bench would be what I'd go for. And then if he, he performs well, then you can start him in, in the games after that. Obviously, we've talked about how strong United are in attack and the embarrassment of Richard Solskjaer's almost got his, his disposal this season. Um, we've not really touched upon the defence and we came into the season and it looked like the best defence they've had since Alex Ferguson retired. And yet, Samuel, they have looked flustered on, on more than one occasion. They look quite shaky against Everton. Juan Basaka, he struggled for formula, but obviously got a red card against Young Boys. But I thought he had a better game against Everton. Um, I know we've just disregarded assists, but Dalog did get an assist. Uh, I'm sure you'd be great. Uh, happy to know. Against Qatar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Perspective is needed, isn't it? Yeah. But could you see Dalog challenging Juan Pesaka at all this season, Samuel? Or do you think Sosko will stand by Juan Pesaka? After the Villarreal game, probably not. It was it was bizarre afterwards because it must be enforced by UEFA because there's no way United would be voluntarily putting up a player to speak to the media after Champions League games. But the player they elected to put up was Dallow and everyone was like, <laughs> you know, you can't, it, it's also virtual as well. So it's it's very difficult to actually, you know, address what, what was a pretty chasing performance for him that evening uh, whilst doing it over Zoom and you've, You've got translation settings and things like that, and and Solskjaer had just come in as well, and it's it's an evening game, so I think the emphasis with with most in in the press room is is writing up Solskjaer's quotes. But unfortunately for Dallo, I think he's I've always thought he was a better uh, attacker than than Wambasaka, although that's that's not particularly difficult. But defensively, although Wambasaka has had these issues over the last year, what with being caught out at the far post with with balls going over his head quite literally, and them them costing United, uh, I think I think the Leipzig game springs to mind in that one. I, I I just don't really see it happening. And also, Dallo's card has been marked already, even though he's still at United and he is playing probably more football than most would have imagined. That they wanted Kieran Trippier in the summer, and the only reason Dallo is still at the club is because they they didn't get Trippier. So, 
Solskjaer's obviously quite sanguine with the situation because Dallo is an international right back now. He played for AC Milan last season. He has improved. Um, he's, he's he's stayed fit, so there is there is credible competition there. But I, I suspect he'll always stay loyal to Wambasaka and. It's not an ulterior motive as such, because I think objectively, Wambasaka overall, he is the better right back. He's more athletic. Defensively, he is more reliable as well. But also, you've got Solskjaer's hit rate in the transfer market. Now, if you're looking at that objectively, um, since, uh, since Daniel James was the first, and you go through each player individually... United always look for a 70% success rate. That's what they said when they went through their whole recruitment reboot. I don't think anybody can say they're getting anywhere near that at the moment under Solskjaer. Van der Beek has been a disaster. Daniel James was not a hit or a flop, but he certainly he certainly wasn't a success. I think Maguire, he's not it's never as easy or as simple as saying success or not a success, but Maguire has improved United's defence to an extent, but he's not been a great signing. He's He's been a decent signing. You'd probably say the same about Wan-Bissaka. Ahmad and Palestri, you can't judge because they barely had a kick. Tellers has not been a good signing. Uh, Cavani has been good for probably two months. He had that purple patch towards the end of the last season. But again, you'd probably say he's been good at best. Obviously, Sancho so far has struggled. Uh, Varane and Ronaldo should be successes. Tom Heaton is irrelevant. But that's that's not a 70% success rate. And Wambisaka falls into that. And they invested £50 million in signing him more than two years ago now. And he's not developed anywhere near as quickly as, as they'd have liked. And that was borne out by the fact that United were looking to sign Trippier in the summer, that there were clearly doubts about Wambasaka and they feel as though he needs a bit more time to develop until he's at that level that probably Luke Shaw got to at some stage last year where you thought, okay, he's he's finally he's finally made it. He's a world class fullback now. And and that probably happened far probably happened much later than United would have envisaged when they signed Shaw, I think for twenty seven million in, in twenty fourteen. So sometimes there's an element of patience and luck that comes with the development of, of a of an expensive signing, but I think Shaw they got a bit lucky with, and there are various circumstances behind why Shaw did take as as long as he did. Obviously, his issues with Mourinho, his own fitness issues, his own professionalism as well, the dreadful injury he had in Eindhoven. But Wambasaka hasn't had any of that. He's he's had a very um, he's he's had an understanding manager. He's played all the time. He's been largely injury free. So. Although Shaw had excuses and some genuine excuses, mainly the injury with um, that he got in, in Eindhoven, Wambasaka hasn't had that. So it's it's a strange dynamic. But is is he ever going to have a sustained spell on the sidelines? And and Dallo's going to be playing uh, for, for for a long, long period uh, in consecutive matches. He, he probably isn't. I would imagine. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. And obviously, Rich coming up now um, after the national break, there is a difficult run of fixtures for United. Just to wrap things up, then um, in the next coming weeks, do you think United can maintain pace with the, the Premier League rivals at the top? And where do you see them in the next few weeks? I think they will be there or thereabouts. I don't think they're going to fall off too much. I think maybe a little bit of a gap will start to open up from maybe whoever emerges from this group to be the real sort of title contenders early on. But like Samuel said, the fact is United do play their best football in these sort of games. They play even better when you know the, the odds are stacked against them and you act and you go into these games 
presume that they're not going to get points. That's usually when United do surprise you. You know, they've got the players as well to to play on the counter-attack. And, you know, in a way, it suits them because their midfield issues aren't going to be as scrutinised because they're expected to not be in possession as much and they can hit teams on the counter-attack and they can sort of embrace what they are good at under Solskjaer in these matches. And just by consequence of, I think they will get some decent results and maybe one or two really surprising results, they'll be taking points off teams around them. So I think they will still stay just in that pack but I think it might be maybe another false hope I think there's every chance we could come out of this run of fixtures with some fans saying we never doubted Solskjaer we've got this title you know ambition's still alive and then United will start playing some relatively easier matches against lesser teams and it will still be unconvincing that's just the pattern that's emerged and you know I've seen nothing to to envisage that to change so much I think that United are, are well catered for big games you know that is I'd back them in most big games, oddly enough, particularly in these sort of one-off fixtures, because it's just what they do. They play well on the break and they've got now Ronaldo who just wins games and takes half chances and gets these goals out of nowhere. So it doesn't necessarily have to be too cohesive and United don't have to be that convincing as long as they get the results. And I think, you know, there's going to be a bit of a pressure from the other teams to dominate because they know how weak United are in midfield. So, you know, Liverpool, Chelsea, City, they're all going to be targeting sort of 60, 65% possession against United, but that won't bother them so much. So I think that United will be, you know, still in this pack of, of the four teams. I think that if you take a step back, you'll realise that they are still the weakest of the four, but they might be, you know, third or second by by the end of it because I just think it does really suit the way they play. So, yeah, I'm not expecting too much to change, but I, I'm also not going to get too carried away if they do get results because I really wouldn't be surprised if they do sort of shock a few people. Pardon me. Hopefully we'll get a few games of the quality of um, City-Liverpool at Anfield, but uh, I'm not getting my hopes up too high. Um, thanks for today, gents. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Samuel. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate thank it. You. Thank you, Rich. Thank you very much. Yeah, and where do we send the bill to? <laughs> I'll send you the invoice. Just uh, two o'clock, you'll get that through. And thanks to the listeners. Thanks for listening as usual. Stay tuned for more. And thanks again.